We're changing up the order uh, a little bit this evening because of the nature of the things we're going to do, but these are things that matter. Our relationship together as a church family, our understanding of what um, pastors and deacons and congregation members do, um, really important for us to remind ourselves of that. And then, of course, we're also um, rejoicing at what God has done in the life of Cody Lehman and his family. Um, I knew Cody way back um, because I've been here a little while now. And, you know, I remember he was playing on the same soccer team as Matthew, a little bit older. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking back to those high school years. Um, and I know that I knew him even before that. But, but seeing him grow up and seeing what God is doing in his life. And then uh, more recently on uh, December 19th as um, a group of pastors um, from the pastor body met with him and, um, and did our ordination uh, examination, like, okay, Cody believes God is calling him to pastoral ministry. Um, are we seeing, we, we've already seen in his life the kinds of things that would commend him to that, but does he have command of the doctrine uh, from the Word of God to be suitable for shepherding people according to God's Word? And, and we were grateful uh, to see the kind of growth. I mean, I'm still thinking of Cody as the high schooler and, uh, and he's grown a lot since then, and God is, is using him. And so as I thought about, you know, what, what pastors are to do, you really, it makes sense to go to uh, what we call the pastoral epistles, the letters written uh, to um, the various ones that were serving in this capacity. And in particular, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles tonight to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, you recall that Timothy was one that Paul referred to as his son in the faith. I mean, he, Paul met Timothy when Timothy was probably uh, 18 years old. Um, Timothy's introduction to the faith was actually through his mother and grandmother. His father was probably not a believer. Uh, but his introduction to Paul was about the time that Paul was, was dragged out of the city and stoned and left for dead. So here is Timothy at 18, and he finds out, if you serve Jesus, this may happen to you too. Okay, he knew that there could be hardships. Well, that was in the first missionary journey. On the second missionary journey, Paul swings by, and he, he uh, wants Timothy to go with him on that journey and, and to accompany him. And that's what Timothy does. And they, they develop a really close uh, friendship, a father-son kind of relationship, and and after Paul is executed, Timothy is going to continue to be a leader in the church. And so we get a lot of sense of the dynamic between uh, Paul and Timothy. And we want, to, we want to drop down into part of that in this first epistle that Paul wrote to Timothy. They're apart at the time, and, and Paul is giving Timothy instruction. He's given Timothy a very difficult assignment. I want you to think about what it would be like. Um, Cody, I forget how old you are. How old are you? 32. So in about three years, Cody will be as old as Timothy. Probably Timothy is about 35 years old. But Paul's, you know, like he's in his, like, probably around 60, uh, right around there. And, but, but Timothy is being sent as a fairly young buck in terms of, of pastors to the church at Ephesus that has a number of church leaders, elders, pastor, elder, overseers, some of whom are actually departing from the teaching that is scriptural. 
Now think about the difficulty of confronting men that might be twice your age coming into their church from the Apostle Paul. You're sent by the Apostle Paul, but coming to their church and telling them to get in line. That is not an easy confrontation. Um, it's one thing to do that with the, like regular folk. To do that with leaders um, can be even more difficult because they're take-charge kind of people often, and, and they're used to the sheep following them. Um, and they've got to exercise a degree of humility to actually yield to that. And that was a job that Timothy was called to do. Sometimes Timothy is portrayed as kind of a meek and um, fearful young man. I don't believe it for one minute. I'm just thinking, look at the job that he was given to do. And, and if somebody's not a little bit nervous about that, then they don't understand what they're walking into. And I think that's why you have the kind of language like God's not given us a spirit of fear and that kind of thing. But here's what Paul says right after he says, you know, don't let anyone look down on you for your youth, but you be an example of what a believer is supposed to be. And then he gives some instruction as to where Timothy is to focus. He says in verse 13 of 1 Timothy 4, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, I've underlined uh, a number of the verbs here because you have a pileup of emphasis, devote, don't neglect, practice, immerse, keep a close watch, persist. In other words, Paul is talking about commitment and commitment to things that matter, commitment to what matters. Well, that raises the question, okay, Paul, what matters? The first thing that Paul's going to underscore is that the Scripture matters. Verse 13, until I come, Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. When he says devote yourself, he means give attention to this. This is what you need to be paying attention to. The first really just reads in the underlying text, reading. But in context, he's referring to the public reading of Scripture. Just as Joshua in the Old Testament was commanded to lead the people of God this way. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Why didn't he just say out of your mind? Why didn't he just say, don't stop, you know, keep thinking about the law of God? Well, you're supposed to do that. But when you lead, you're supposed to lead with the very words of God. It's not, your authority is a designated authority, and it comes from God. And there was a comp that's common in Paul's day, and it was common all the way through the centuries, even to our own day, it is common for, for people that call themselves Christians to gather together and to read something else, to read from the commentaries or what they called the lectionaries back then, to, to read um, some good book. It always makes me, I'll just, you know, be transparent with you. It makes me a little bit nervous when, as a Sunday school class, where you say, oh, we're doing a Bible study through this book by such and such an author. 
okay, you know, maybe the book is going to be focused on the Bible, but it makes me a little bit nervous because if it's a Bible study, how about we study the Bible? No. We want to be careful that we're, we're holding tight to that. And so it was important for Timothy, as he's trying to shepherd this church, that there's Scripture reading. You're reading the Scripture. People are having the words of God wash over them. And then to exhortation, and that would, that would be um, both, both privately and publicly in the services, the idea is, is to come alongside someone, to be called alongside in order to exhort them or comfort them or, or be their advocate. It's actually a word used for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the, the comforter, the helper. Um, and Christ himself calls himself uh, by this word. He says another comforter will come. Christ is one who helps, one who exhorts us. And so when a pastor does this, when Timothy was to do this, it was, it was this appeal he was supposed to make to the conscience and the will of the hearers. So read the scripture and then make sure you're applying it to the, the conscience and the will. You're, you're exhorting people, you're beseeching them to follow through with what you're reading. And then he says teaching. So you have reading, exhortation, and teaching. And that just refers to the instruction. Um, the, the kind of exposure to the Scripture that's actually helpful must include some degree of instruction. We're not just assuming that everybody already knows it. We want to explain what the text says and then apply what it says. That actually is a great definition of what biblical preaching is. Explain it and apply it. And, and it's amazing the kind of health that that produces in a congregation and a person where he just understands the scripture because it's been explained and then he's applied it and he's been encouraged to live it out. So he is to give attention to the scripture. So don't, you know, many pastors, most pastors, hopefully all pastors are people persons. At least they might be introverts or extroverts, but they have to like people to some degree. They have to be able to work with people. And, and sometimes, depending on the amount of, of giftedness they have with their connection with people, they can lean really hard into how well they connect with people and kind of leave the, the scriptures in the, in the background and not actually be instructing. Just be, you know, great, uh, you know, great comrade, a great uh, good buddy along with people. We want to have that. But you know how sometimes people call the, the church, well, it's just a social club. Well, that's what happens. If it's, if it's just social and it doesn't have the scripture, it's not as profitable for people. So commitment to what matters means that he's going to commit himself, and Cody needs to commit himself, all of us who serve in this kind of role, to the scripture. Secondly, in verses 14 and 15, Timothy needed to be committed to his spiritual gifting, his spiritual gifting. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. When Paul says, do not neglect, that is the negative of the same word translated practice in verse 15. So, don't fail to practice. Don't fail to cultivate this gift. Don't fail to take pains with what 
God has given to you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them. Literally, to immerse yourself would be to be in them. That's literally what it means, be in them. You know, you hear sometimes people say, you know, be where you are. Be where you are. Uh, a lot of times we're somewhere else all the time instead of where we are. And, and he's saying, look, immerse yourself. Go on being in these things. Give yourself to this. Be committed to this. Um, it's possible to, to, to practice pastoring in a way where it's kind of an avocation. It's a side thought. Rather, or your scripture reading, or your ex, all of that is kind of, this is something I kind of like to do. Rather than something you're immersing yourself into, you're giving yourself to. Now, why would you do this? So that all may see your progress. Think of, think of a pioneer cutting a path through a dense forest so that other people can walk it. This is the kind of commitment that Timothy needed to have so that he uh, could have the kind of fruitfulness of life that others could see and observe and imitate. Remember that by definition, an elder, remember there's three terms for leadership in this way. There's a pastor, a shepherd, there's an overseer, like a supervisor, manager, and elder, most common term used in the New Testament, is to provide a mature example, a mature spiritual example, so that others can imitate the example. It's not do as I say, you know, beware, beware the kind of leader that's just a do as I say leader, rather than do as I do leader. Follow me, come, come alongside me, and let me come alongside you. Well, what is he not supposed to neglect? What is he supposed to keep practicing? The gift that you have. Think about what a gift is. If it's a gift, there's no reason for arrogance. There's no reason for pride. It's not merely something you chose to do or something that, that you've developed great skill at. It's something given to you. It was given to Timothy by prophecy. A prophet hears from God and then speaks to people. So this was something that God had revealed to others in the church, and, and it was spoken then to Timothy. We see this in you. The council of elders, he says, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Um, it's not that when we do an ordination, when a council of elders does an ordination, that there's some kind of like electrical spiritual power that passes through their hands. Now you've got the, the power of hoodoo. No, it's not that. Okay. Um, what the council of elders is doing it is saying, we see in your life evidence that God has given you this gift. We, we see in your life that God is, is calling you, is, is using you in this way, and we want to affirm this publicly. We want to, to say, we see this. We want to affirm what God is clearly doing in your life. And we see this kind of language used by the Apostle Paul when he talks to the elders in Ephesus, by the way, same local church. He, he, he's going... Uh, to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to be arrested. He, he doesn't even know he's going to ever see them again. He says to the elders that were called, that he also calls overseers, and, and he's going to use the word for pastoring as well, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which 
the Holy Spirit has made you, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for, to shepherd, to pastor, to feed and lead the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church belongs to the Lord. He purchased it with the blood of Christ, and the Holy Spirit is the one that, that equips, that, that makes those who serve as pastor, elder, overseers what they are. If the Holy Spirit hasn't done it, then no council of elders can make it happen. Um, it's not to say that there's no work involved. Obviously, as we look at this very passage, there is work that Paul is calling Timothy to do, but it's like any gift. Like, look, if you have a gift for any kind of thing, music or art or, or literature or, or teaching or sports, if you have the gift, what do you do with that gift? Well, you work hard at it. You say, I've got this gift, so I'm going to work on it. Like, say you're in athletics, you say, oh, I'm particularly good at basketball. Oh, well, you've got the gift, so you don't need to practice. <laughs> say, what? No, if you've got the gift, you need to practice even more. You need to devote yourself to it even more. Same with the pastoring, giving attention to your spiritual gifting. Pay careful attention to this. As Acts 20 says, it's the same word that's translated devote yourself in verse 13. When he says devote yourself to public reading of the Scripture, same word here, pay careful attention to. Devote yourself to yourself and to all the flock. Give attention to this. So, you've got the Scriptures, you've got your spiritual gifting, and third, Paul mentions that, that, that what matters is actually yourself, not in the sense of, you know, I matter, I'm so important. It's keep a close watch on yourself. Keep a close watch on yourself. You know, you hear the joke sometimes where they say, like, pastoring would be easy if there weren't people. Well, if there weren't people, there wouldn't be pastoring. And, and furthermore, the biggest problem the pa any pastor ever has is the pastor. Because he's a sheep too. He's a human being too. And if he's not tending to his own soul, he can't help minister to the souls of others. So you have this intensive form, keep a close watch, of holding on to, giving heed to, giving attention to. Shepherding others with the Word of God can never be divorced from your own walk with God. It's not just that it belongs together. It's actually deadly dangerous and eternally so to become a professional shepherd of others while you are failing personally to follow the great shepherd of the sheep. This is why in the judgment day, according to Matthew 7, there will be those who say, Lord, Lord, we've preached in your name. We've done miracles in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. The reality is that you know, there are certain kinds of skills you develop uh, as you work with people, um, engaging with people, studying, um, presenting the truth in a clear way, um, doing the things that church people do. You can, you can get into the rhythm of that to the point that it becomes not who you actually are. It becomes your professional persona. It becomes what you do when you walk in the office 
or when you walk in the church building or when you make a visit, not who you actually are. You know, one of the things, you know, someone that, that serves in the role I do where I teach so much publicly, it'd be very easy for me to just kind of assume that I'm in good spiritual state just because I can talk to people about spiritual things. And so in lots of ways, you, you have to keep working on making sure you're preaching to yourself. That, that what you're sharing is not just, here's what you ought to do, but I'm going to live a different way. You have to keep a close watch on yourself. Your private life is not a secret with God. Heard about a pastor that's defected from the faith, and, and he was confronted about some things going on in his family life that were really wrong, and he says, that's none of your business. What goes on in my family life is none of your business. Well, I'm sorry. What goes on in your family life is who you are. And who you are matters to the people that you shepherd, and it matters to God. So your private life is not a secret with God. It's not private from God. He has to rule there. I, I heard an illustration once, read an illustration once. I think it's from R. Kent Hughes. He had done church planting. He talks about this. Um, you're not supposed to be like a tour bus guide who imagines that he's actually been to all the places that he's announced each time the bus stops for people to get off and enjoy. Does that make sense? Like you're saying, okay, here we are and wherever, but you've never actually gotten off the bus yourself and experienced it. And it's very possible because our role is to teach others, it's very possible to talk about spiritual things and to instruct others and to point them the right way and never walk it ourselves. This is why it's so important, that elder part, that you're providing a, an example to follow. That, that, you know, if you're saying, okay, you need to be in the Word each day. Well, people ought to be able to say, well, tell us about how, that, how you're able to make that part of your life. You know, what, what, you know, share with us something that you, that God showed you this week. Um, you know, whether it's prayer or being in the scriptures or sharing the gospel, you know, these are things that, that we need to be living out. So you've got to keep a close watch on yourself because, you know, there's lots of, there's lots of people that are good at the professional skills of leading other people, even in the church, who who are not actually right with God and are not healthy themselves. Um, I remember years ago as a church planter, um, I'm sitting in the office looking out the window and, and I'm thinking, you know, the, the, the biggest thing my church family needs is to know that I'm actually someone who walks with God, that I'm not just talking to them theoretically, but that that I actually am experientially following the Lord so I can share that with people. And that's a huge responsibility. I mean, you think about, so, oh, well, it's simple. It's not simple. It's hard. Because it, it's so easy to drift into just going through the motions instead of actually being who you need to be. Pay attention to yourself and to the teaching, number four. And, and this is the instruction again. He's already talked about this earlier. But, but give attention Keep a close watch on the teaching, on the instruction. You can't shepherd people apart from divine instruction. Your own ideas, 
Your own example are insufficient to supply everything they need. Your goal is for them to follow Christ, not merely you. You know, Paul says, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ, not just imitate me. And so that means that Paul's going to be imitating Christ, and now he can say, come imitate me, and persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I mean, really shocking kind of language almost. You'll save yourself and your hearers. To persist means you're abiding there, you're remaining there, you're continuing there, but the spiritual survival and health, both of yourself and of those you shepherd, depends on your faithful commitment to these things that matter. And, you know, the, the longer you live, the more, the more casualties and tragedies you witness of failure in this area. So as you look at this, what are the things that matter? Number one is Scripture, then your spiritual gifting, yourself, the teaching. Now, I... I I uh, tabbed over on your spiritual gifting and yourself because one and four go together, Scripture and teaching. And your spiritual gifting and yourself, that goes together. So you have both a focus on your own walk with God, your own development of your gift, and you have a focus on the teaching of Scripture so that others have the truth that they need. These two things. And, you know, you, but everything Paul writes, everything a pastor is supposed to do, pretty much falls under these two categories. I mean, there's lots more to be said, but it kind of falls under these categories. And if you keep this in mind, for all of us, you know, not all of us are called to be pastors, but, but we all are called to follow Jesus. And all of us are called to influence others for Christ. And these two things are going to be critical for that and those who serve in this role um, have got to live this way. So, as we ordain Cody this evening, we, we, are, we are affirming that we see God at work in his life and that we believe that, that he is equipped and called to this kind of work. But our doing this won't make him good at it. Cody is going to have to commit himself to this lifelong. One of the biggest fears that for any of us really is to, to be in that class of people in Matthew 7 that says, oh, I did all this church stuff. And Jesus says, I never knew you. Sorry. We, we, we want to be those who know Jesus and then are, are looking to our own spiritual health and then we are sharing it with others through the Word of God. So, at this time, what I want to do is to uh, call all of the pastoral body forward, and then, in particular, those men that served on the um, ordination examination committee, uh, who actually were there for that, would like to have you kind of in the center. So, if, if you men could come forward now, um, the one on the council itself, right in the middle, the rest of the pastoral body uh, around Cody, we want to ordain Cody to the gospel ministry at this time.